Wow. We love stories, don't we? <laughs> and everybody's got one. Every one of us in this room has a story. And it's being written today. And what we're going to look at today is I love when in this one, with Chelsea saying when she was finally given up, she finally saw another story that was just like hers, except it had a different ending. And man, I, I want to tell you, I love one of the scriptures says that Jesus is the author <laughs> and the perfecter of our faith. He's the author. He's the one who wants to write great stories. And I, I just hope all of you will know that today. I hope that you'll believe at your heart of hearts that God wants to write a great story with your life. And he's actually writing it right now. No matter where you feel like you are in your story, God knows you and he loves you, and he cares about you. What's interesting, what we're going to be looking at today, though, is that everyone's story of being rescued always includes the story of another person playing a part. If anybody ever gets rescued, somebody else is in the story. And so no one gets their life back. That's what we've been talking about, is getting your life back. And the truth is, nobody gets their life back without another coming into the picture. And so the key, which is such great news, is that God, let me just say one more time, God really does want you to get your life back, to be happy and to be blessed. And what's interesting is 2,000 years ago, um, Jesus gave the greatest sermon um, in the history of world, the world, right? Anybody know what that was called? Sermon on the Mount, right? So he, he gave this great sermon. What's interesting is we're just going to go through it real quickly um, that all the steps that we've been going through, the steps that you go through to actually get your life back, they're basically just the Beatitudes. Look at these. So we're, let's just go through these together, and you'll see how everything we've been talking about, Jesus was just saying, hey, if you really actually want to be happy, if you want to be blessed, this is what you do. Okay, number one, the first message was give in, right? And the Beatitude is God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. Now, if you know the scripture, it says poor in spirit, but this is the New Living Translation, and I like that because that's what poor in spirit means. Blessed, happy are those who finally realize I'm actually empty inside. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And so we just talked about happy and blessed are those who realize that you're human, and once you realize you're human and that you're powerless to be able to make this change in your life, that's the first step to being happy. Number two, the next week we said, then you got to look up. And Jesus' second beatitude was, God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And this is always a, a weird one, but so many stories recently that I've been engaged with. For some reason, we got to get to this place where we actually mourn, where there's sorrow, because that, what that usually causes us to do is to finally look up. And then when you look up, you find there actually is comfort, that there is a God who knows you. He knows the depth of why you are the way you are today, and he loves you, and he can actually do something about it. So you give in, and then you look up. Third, you let go. Once you finally realize, it's like, okay, I can't do it, and he can, then you let go, and you let him, and the beatitude was this. God blesses those who are humble or meek, for they will inherit the whole earth. 
So it takes this, this, this attitude of humility of actually reaching out and crying out to God. The fourth week, we said you got to come clean. And then Jesus' beatitude was God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will actually see God. And so we just talked a lot about that day. This is where you have to take some steps of confession, very specifically, right? Instead of hiding stuff down, you lay it out there specifically, completely, and vulnerably. And then when you do, what we learn about the greatest news about Jesus Christ is he comes and he completely forgives you. And Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart. Get it out and let him clean it. Then you got to be hungry. And Jesus said, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. And the step of recovery here is where you just have to get to the point where you say to God, I really actually want you to work in me. And you realize, again, it's his work, not yours. And you submit to it, and you say, you hunger for it, you thirst for it. You get to this point where you go, the life I've been living that's been tearing me apart, I don't want anymore. And Jesus says, man, when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, for what's good and right, you're going to be satisfied. Happier you, blessed when that happens. Next beatitude was make peace. Jesus says, God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And so the way we talked about, you have to give mercy to those who've hurt you. You actually have to forgive those that you've hurt. And once you have that, you are the one who actually gets free. Blessed are you when you show mercy. Jesus also said, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. And we talked about that you have to make peace not only with those who've hurt you, you have to make peace with those that you've hurt. And Jesus said, man, when you're a peacemaker, blessed are you. Happier you. His, uh, then we hit, those are kind of all the Beatitudes. Isn't it crazy? Isn't that cool? That in the greatest sermon ever, Jesus just bump, 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 and we go, those are the steps to recovery. <laughs> those are the steps to getting your life back. And Jesus has been saying that for 2,000 years. Then last week we said, once you get into that process, then you have to take some time. You have to take time, and you need to learn how to stay on the path and not relapse and not how to revert to old habits. And you got to be spending time with Jesus. You have to learn how to connect with him regularly, and you have to do this. you got to take time and be with others. And now today, we're closing it off. This is it. Eighth week. And this is what we're going to talk about today. For you to fully recover and really get your life back, you need to realize that God wants to use your story for another person. And this is huge because it's good news, too, because God actually wants to recycle your pain. Take the stuff that was really hard and use it for the benefit of another person. And it, it, this is kind of where this is, and you, man, I hope you'll understand this today. Because lots of times we think, well, God only uses the really talented people or the people who've got their act together. And if you've been hanging around for K K2 at all for 10 years, what have we been saying? Nobody has their act together. <laughs> Everybody, God just wants to use the average, normal, ordinary person. Well, then we think, well, God wants to use my strengths. He's like, no, if you read the Bible, what does God want to use? He wants to use your weakness. People get intimidated by your strengths. But when you share your weakness, somebody else, just like Chelsea, can go, that's my story too. So every one of us in our brokenness, God can use us. 
And here's what's important to understand. You will never fully recover. You'll never actually get your life back completely until you give it away. And I think this is so interesting that the 12-step process has understood this. Celebrate Recovery has understood this. And I think it's very interesting because all they're saying is this. You'll never get your life back until you live how you were actually created to live. And human beings were created to love and to give and to bless. Now what happens is all the dysfunctions in our life in some way or another, they caused us to turn inward. If somebody else hurt you or your life was empty, what you did is you turned inward either to protect yourself or to avoid the pain or to somehow bring comfort or pleasure to numb what you were going through. So all the dysfunction, all the behaviors that none of us like about our lives, they cause us to do this. And this is the worst way to live. So if you're actually going to get your life back, you got to move from this to this. To the point where I'm not thinking about my needs or my hurts or my destructive stuff. Instead, I'm going to focus on somebody else. And once we do that, you guys, then we can be free. So the proof that you've actually recovered, the truth, the proof that you've gotten your life back is that you actually live now to help other people. All right? So let me pray, and then we'll dive into his word, and let's look at how we can do this together. All right, let's pray together. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for being a God who rescues. Thanks for being a God who, when you look at every human being, you do it with eyes that are full of mercy, a heart that's full of grace. You sent Jesus simply because you wanted to rescue us. Jesus, you said you came so that we could have life and life to the full, so we could get our life back. So God, today I pray as we kind of conclude this series and now move into the Celebrate Recovery ministry, I just pray that you will take today and open up all of our hearts and help us to see and to understand what you want to do with us. And I pray for it in Jesus' name, amen. So let me just hit a few things that I think might set us free to actually think about how, man, I can actually give my life away to another person. And I think, first of all, sometimes we get caught up in a question, and that is, why the pain? Why the pain? I heard somebody say one time, you can ask God any question you want except why. And how many of you, all your questions to God are why, right? But he just, but, but here's the thing, we can look, but we will not get past doing this and actually give ourselves away to others until we can come to some conclusion about the reality of pain. Why the pain? Really quickly. Number one, because free will often causes pain. Free will causes pain. Deuteronomy eleven twenty six through 28, God said, look, today I'm giving you the choice. So one of the things we understand from God right from the beginning is he actually created us in his image. And one of the beautiful things about being in, created in the image of God is this ability to choose. And what he, why, the reason that he gave us that ability was because we were made to love. Everything about God is love. But you can't love if you're a robot, right? I mean, the worst thing would be programming someone to love you. I mean, that would just be so empty, because you know they really don't love you. 
So God created us with this ability to love. But to love demands freedom of choice. But what's interesting is, as soon as you receive freedom to choose, it's a wonderful blessing and it's a huge burden. Because he goes on to say, I'm giving you the choice between a blessing and a curse. You'll be blessed if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today, but you'll be cursed if you reject the commands of the Lord your God and turn away from him, and if you worship gods that you have not known before. So what's God saying here? And I think sometimes we look at this and go, man, this is what I don't like about God. But you guys, all he's saying is this, I'm God. I actually know what's right, and I actually know what's wrong. I know what works. And I'm trying to reveal that to you, and I know what destroys, and I'm trying to reveal that to you. So when you follow my ways, when you choose me and my ways, it leads to life. When you don't follow my ways, it's destructive. It's just the love of God. So why the pain? Well, because sometimes we make really bad decisions. (laughs) And when you make bad decisions and you choose the wrong thing, there are consequences for those. But the other thing, problem with this, right, is not only am I making my own decisions, so are all of you. (laughs) And so we don't only suffer from our own bad decisions, we suffer from the decisions that everybody else is making. Because they have free will too. So the greatest gift of love comes with the greatest responsibility. Why the pain? Because you're free to choose. Why the pain? Because pain gets our attention. Pain gets our attention. I was having a conversation with somebody just this week who's just really going through a tough thing. And uh, just kind of at the end of the conversation, I just looked at him real quick and I said, but you know this pain is good, right? And they looked at me and they're like, are you crazy? And I said, no, because what is happening is pain simply lets us know that there's something wrong in here. That's all pain does. Pain is a warning light. Pain is an alarm. Pain is actually never the problem. It's the gift to let us know that there is a problem. I shared before when I was young, I was in my like mid to late 20s, and I was having these really weird chest pains, you know. So I went to the doctor, and as soon as I walked in, he said, what's her name? And I said, what are you talking about? He goes, what's her name? I'm like, I don't know, what do you mean? He goes, No guy comes into the doctor by himself. What's her name? (laughs) Who is it that actually convinced you to go? Well, I will tell you what. That's probably true most of the time. But when the pain's bad enough, what do you do? You go. And pain was simply the gift to get your attention to let you know that something was wrong in here. It's actually a gift. In 2 Corinthians 7, 9 through 10, Uh, Paul had to write a letter to the Corinthians because they were involved in a lot of destructive behavior. So he said, now I'm glad that I sent the letter, not because it hurt you, but because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. It was the kind of sorrow that God wants his people to have, so you were not harmed by us in any way. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin, and it results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. So God, I've told people this all the time. If there's anything I've learned in 30 years of walking with Jesus, God is not afraid of pain. He's not. It's a gift because it gets our attention. It lets us know something's bad going on in here. 
Number two, or number three, pain leads us to depend on him. This is one of my favorite passages, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. Paul says, the writer uh, of this letter, Paul, who's a super apostle, he goes, we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experience in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. First of all, can I, just, I, just, I don't know if this helps any of you. This verse comforts me so much. It's so helpful for me to know that if there was any human being who walked this planet who had an intimacy with God, it was Paul, right? How cool is it to know that even Paul could suffer beyond his ability to endure so that he despaired even of life? You don't need to raise your hand, but anybody else felt that way before? And I want to tell you, when I get to that point, when it gets so dark, I'm like, thank you. Paul knows what this feels like. And what does he say? This happened so that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So what pain does is it actually can lead us to finally depend on God. Because the truth is, can we all be honest? We all want to rely on ourselves. When something doesn't go right, what do we do? Well, we want to show, I can do this. I can handle it by my own ability or my own ingenuity. We want to show how we can do it, that we don't need anybody. But as we've been talking in this series, you guys, God created you to need him. He created you to need him. We said you're dependent, right? You're a dependent being on air, on water, on food, and on love, God created you like that. But we are so prone to not depend on God. And I want to tell you, this is the greatest pain that can ever happen in your life. Is the pain that rescues you from a life of being separated from God. What every human being is being duped into, according to the Bible, is to live a life separate from God, saying you don't need him. And sometimes the greatest gift that God can give us is pain. I don't know why, but most of us don't cry out to God until we're desperate for him. So pain's a gift. Number four, those are the three things. Now let me just close with this. Pain can make me a blessing to others. Pain can make me a blessing to others. 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4 says this. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. Have you ever tried to reveal a struggle to someone who has never struggled in that way? How many of you guys have ever taken that risk before? How many of you will never take that risk again? <laughs> because I'm telling you, it's really hard for somebody who hasn't gone through the struggle to understand what you're going through. So man, if your deal that you need to get your life back is your finances, if your finances are ruling you, right, and then you go out and you, and you put somebody who's right next to Dave Ramsey, right, who's got all their ducks in a row. Now eventually you need that person's help, 
But it's tough, man, if, you, if the person has never struggled with their finances. What if your issue is pornography? What if your issue is anxiety? What if today you have felt so insecure your whole life that that, that has, what has paralyzed you to have healthy relationships with other people? Or is your issue substance abuse? Here's all I know, man. To have the courage to share with another human being what you're going through. You want somebody who's been through it. Let me just ask you that question. How many of you have actually shared your struggle with somebody who struggles with the same thing? How many of you have done that? And how many of you found healing when you did that? See, this is huge. And I hope all of you in this room saw all the hands that just got raised. Because this is what God is trying to help us to be as human beings. If you've received the grace of God, once you've received the comfort of God, once you've received his forgiveness, once you've let God into all of your junk and you realize he wasn't a fa- he's coming in not to condemn you but to rescue you and to love you, then it's always, can I just tell you guys, once you've received anything from God, it is always so you can give it to another person. It's always for that. It's never just for you. Because again, if it ends just with you, then what are you focused on? You. And that's the problem in the first place. And so I just want to tell you, all of you in this room, anything that you have experienced of God's grace in your life, if you haven't come alongside another person who struggled and shared your story with them, you're missing the boat and you haven't got your full life yet. God wants to flow through you to touch another person. And here's what we know. There are people everywhere who need your story. In this room right here, some of you are struggling with deep, deep, dark stuff that you feel like nobody could love me. I could never overcome this. And there's somebody else sitting in this room who, I've been there. We got to get the I've been there's with the I'm there's. And we need to bring you together. And we need to give each other hope. And we need to encourage each other that there is a God who knows you. There is a God who loves you. And there is a God who has power to make a change in your life. And I want to tell you, that's why we're starting to celebrate recovery. Tomorrow night, okay? Tomorrow night at 6 o'clock here. So it's because every person in this room needs to get their life back. And I love what, what Peter says in, in chapter 3, verse 15. He says, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Can I just give you three really quick things? If you're going to share your story with somebody else, from this verse, there's three things we can learn really fast. Number one, be humble. Right? Be humble. He starts right off and he says, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Why does he say that? Because it's about him and it's not about you. If somebody wants to be healed, the last thing they need to hear is how you did it. Right? That's just not what it's about. And I want to tell you, this is where I think the gospel of Jesus Christ is so fantastic. 
Because what the gospel of Jesus Christ says is, it's never about you. I know you're messed up, and I've saved you, and I've rescued you. And then you can actually speak. So be humble. Number two, be loving. Be loving. Do this with what? He says, do this with gentleness. With gentleness. You know, in the Bible, when it talks about the plank, right? If you try to take a speck out of your brother's eye, like, you want, I really want to help you. But if you have any self-righteousness, it's like a beam. You're like, bam! And you're just cranking, but you don't have love in your heart until you've been humbled enough to know that this is what God has done for me, and I'm going to be gentle now with you. Be humble, be gentle, and then the last thing, don't lecture. Don't lecture. You know, how many of you, you're right, you, you share your stuff with somebody, and then somebody comes back, and, and instead of just sharing your, their story with you, they try to fix you. How many of you want to be fixed? Like, I don't want to be fixed. And it, just remember that. When you share your story with somebody, just share your story. Do it with respect. And if you think you got all the answers, that's not a whole lot of respect. But if you're humble enough just to share your story, people will benefit from that. You guys, full recovery, getting your life back, all of us in this room, your story needs to be shared with somebody who has the same struggle. And I want to tell you, there are people going through what you've gone through and people who need that today. So here's how we're going to close today. I'm going to have a couple people come up and share their story. And um, so Richard, come on down. Uh, this is Richard Phillips. Would you give a welcome to him? And Terry Duncan from over here. Awesome. Is it on? It should be on. Test. There you go. Good. Awesome. Test. We'll grab some stools here. Thank you. Thanks, Linda. So um, in, the, in the first uh, week of this series, uh, as soon as the service was over, Richard was sitting right up over here, and he made a beeline for me. <laughs> and he pulled out his phone, and he showed me a picture, and he said, I am so glad that we're doing this. He goes, this saved my life. And so um, we went and had a great time out in the park, and I got to hear his story, and I'd just love for you to share a little bit of that with everybody today. I sure will. And I'm uh, glad to be here and grateful to be here today. Um, good morning, and, and I love each and every one of you. So I want to share this story with you so that if you um, can see something in my story that might help you, that's the idea. Uh, my experience, my strength, and my hope are the three things that I want to share with you. My experience is this. I suffer from alcoholism, and that disease took me to the brinks of death. I was actually on my deathbed. They found me on the side of the road in southern Utah. And by grace of God, I was, got to a, a ICU for seven days. Um, when I came, th came to, uh, some old friends of mine from high school back in Natchez, Mississippi, had flown out here and got me and took me back to put me in rehab. In rehab, um, I came to, and I um, didn't really know what rehab I was in, but I was fortunate. I was really blessed. It was not a Christian-based, but my counselor was. And that made all the difference in the world. So my strength is in the next part of this story, and that is, is that this Christian counselor 
sat down, I thought that I was going to spend the next 60 days going through some kind of workbook on how to, how to live my life and get well. And actually, the first week, we talked about God's love for, for one solid week. The second week, we talked about God's grace. And the third week, we talked about God's will for me and how I could live in God's will if I simply lived from a position of love and not hurt myself or hurt others. And that's how simple it was. I walked out of there without fear ever since that was 642 days ago, and I have no fear today. I live my life better than I've ever lived it in my life. I have so much to be grateful for. So with that is the hope. The hope is, is that anybody can, I suffered with that disease for 10 years. So with that, I really encourage any and every one of you that have a struggle. It doesn't have to be uh, alcoholism. It doesn't have to be to the depths that I was at. But I, I encourage you to come to Celebrate Recovery so that I can uh, continue to share my story in that program. And it's a great program, and we're going we're gonna to help a lot of people through this ministry. So thanks, Dave. Awesome. Go ahead. You can keep that. Okay. Hey, just real quick. Um, so alcoholism was, was your deal. Correct. But when you dove down, what was happening that caused you to have to go to the alcohol? Well, if you get to the root of most addictions, uh, it's fear. It comes down to fear. And that fear was actually uh, probably goes back to my childhood. And my father was an alcoholic. And there was some trauma and things in my life that caused fear. But my ego took over and said, I'm going to take care of this uh, fear. You know, I'm going to be in charge. And it actually, that's what ended up causing me to get to the point where I would not surrender. I would not give up. I thought I could handle it. I thought I could beat it. Um, and in the end, that's what I did on, in that hospital bed. I surrendered. I said, I can't do this anymore. I've got to give it to God. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, man. Thanks so much yeah. for sharing. You bet. And you guys, this is Terry Duncan. And um, man, how many years was it ago when you first walked into my office? Ten years. Really? Ten years ago. But that's when you first came to K2. That's when I first came to K2. But how, how many years was it when you walked in and said, I want to try to help uh, this ministry begin here? Um, it was about eight and a half years ago about that we talked years. about Celebrate Recovery for okay. the first time. Yes. Awesome. So Terry has been doing this ministry at K2 um, for years. And, um, and so go ahead and just share a little bit. As we're talking about... Man, you take what you have, and now you want to give it to others. You, you all can give a big uh, thanks to Terry for kind of helping to lead the charge here so that we're having this ministry start here, her and, her and others as well. But go ahead and share your story. Um, I uh, had, I basically am the epitome of the person who walks into the rooms of Celebrate Recovery, and I have the hurts, the habits, and the hang-ups. And the hurts were I was traumatized from a very young age, um, in my family, I, uh, I grew up in a very dysfunctional family. My parents both uh, drank, which left them unavailable for the children. My dad was abusive to us as children, and um, I never felt loved by my dad. I didn't grow up in a Christian home, and so I didn't know where to find that love. And as I um, got older into my teens, I searched for love in all the wrong places, as they say. Do you want to sing that for us real quick? <laughs> no, I no, can't okay. sing a <laughs> tune, but <laughs> I did, and, and, and that led to additional hurts. Um, I, 
I picked up some habits such as drinking and drugs and uh, just, you know, I, my motto at a young age was I'll try anything once. And that just led to a lot more hurt. I began to hurt myself at that point. And I, um, but I also had a lot of pride and thought, you know, I can take care of this. I can, I can fix this myself. And um, it just led me down this dark road for almost 50 years until I finally surrendered. And I surrendered at a point where I was both homicidal and suicidal. And so it took a lot for me to get to that place. Um, but then I found K2. Um, I was clean and sober and walking down the path of, uh, and, I wa and I wanted to give back at that point. I needed to give back at that point. It was the only way that I was going to stay in a healthy place myself was to do what Jesus calls us to do, which is to help others along the path. And so that's what, I, that's what, what I've been doing for eight and a half years here at K2. Awesome. Yeah, so great. <clears throat> well, here, here's what I want to tell you. Just looking out and seeing the faces of some of the people who I know um, for months and months have been praying for this to begin, have been going to training to make it happen. I, I, I want to tell you this. Here's what I know. If you show up tomorrow night at 6 o'clock, you will be loved. 6.30. If you show up at 6 o'clock, you'll feel really lonely. Yeah. And like nobody loves you at all. So, so come at 6.30 and then you can feel loved. Um, but I, I that, no, I want to tell you because, you know, uh, Richard and I, when we got together this week, you, you, you got, I would say the most serious look on your face to me was kind of what I was sharing before. Um, when you said, I don't care what degree you have. I don't care how much you've studied. You know, why don't you go ahead and just share that? Well, what I was telling uh, Dave was, it's, you know, the, the core of a step program, of a 12-step program and, and Celebrate Recovery, the core of it is one alcoholic or one person's struggle talking to another person who has the same struggle. Because nobody on this planet, I don't care what their degrees are, will not understand what you're going through. They can't. It's just impossible. So that's, that was the miracle that happened with me. This gentleman that was my counselor was very similar, one of the most prominent lawyers in the United States, and he had lost everything. And this guy walked me step by step to where I needed to be. And today, Celebrate Recovery is going to be the continuance of that program, basically. So cool. I love what Jesus said, he who has been forgiven much loves much. You know, and if you've been comforted much, you're going to be able to comfort much. So that's all I want to say. Man, don't hold back, you guys. Don't, don't stay in the dark. The enemy works in the dark. And you already know that he's destroying your life in the dark. But in God's love and his grace and in his truth is life. And there's freedom, right? And there's a new start and there's hope. And so we sure hope that many, many of you will consider joining us tomorrow night at 630. All right? Okay, you guys give these guys a big, big round of applause. So I know for me, as we close up this series, Getting Your Life Back, the proper thing for us to do to end our service 
is to praise the God who came to give us our life back. He is not a God who stays distant. He is a God who comes right into our midst. And he is a God who loves us with everything that he has within him. His very being is to care for you and is to love you. And he's the God who has the power to do it. And so we just want to close right now by giving him his due, giving him his honor, giving him his praise, giving him the thanks that he deserves. So we're going to take our offering at this time as well, because one of the most important things to understand is whatever is first in your life, that's what you end up being devoted to. What, what, is, what is first in your life? And what Jesus came to help us to see is the reason the first command was love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is because when God gets first in your life, then everything else falls into place. <laughs> Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and everything else will be added to you. And so that's why we take the offering because God said, here's what I know. Give me your first. I'll give you 100 bucks, give me the first 10. I'll give you 10, give me the first one. And it'll make you, help you get to that point where I stay first in your life. And so that's why we do this. So let's stand together and let's give our offering to God financially. Let's give our offering to God of thanks and praise and our belief and our dedication to that he's the one who can give us our life back.